Blog Talk Radio. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked. On Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked, where we are transforming Tuesdays spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. I'm your host, Tyra Little, and today we're talking with Bianca Austin, aunt of Brianna Taylor. Helping me unpack today, I have Pastor Anthony McCallum of Bethlehem Baptist Church College Place in Columbia, South Carolina, and Taurus Sanders, the licensed professional counselor and licensed addiction counselor. So let's get unpacked. First off, thank you all for coming today, listening in. And right now, I want to give the opportunity to turn it over to Pastor Anthony McCallum to tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Oh, thank you so very much, Ms. Little, and so delighted to be a part of this very powerful movement of unpacking things that are t- certainly taking shape in our community as a people. Uh, certainly to all the panelists who are going to be sharing, it's a delight to be on just with these uh, powerful individuals who have powerful testimonies as well. Again, first of all, my name is Anthony. I'm the senior minister at um, Bethlehem Baptist Church here in Columbia, South Carolina, in a community called College Place. Uh, where I myself serve on 20 years now, and the church uh, has been doing, uh, selling the ways of God to humanity here for 125 years. And uh, I'm the son of a deacon, a uh, grandson of a pastor, former pastor, many, many years ago. Uh, I am uh, the oldest male son in a family of six. Uh, and uh, certainly I just thank God for, for my family. I come from a, a very strong family background of, you know, hard work and uh, honesty, uh, respect of elders, certainly respect of women, and all those types of things, I guess, what you would call the Southern tradition. Uh, again, uh, went on to school uh, from college to college and going right into the ministry and been doing it now, you know, for right at 30 years. Wow. Married. Uh uh, with uh, two adult children now uh, and a little grand, but I'm just excited to be here uh, and to be a part of this, this powerful podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Mr. Torres Sanders, tell us about yourself. Well, thank you again, Ms. Little, for uh, having me be a part of this program. Um, I am, um, you could say, a native of Columbia. I grew up uh here locally in Columbia since the age of five, um, attended the Richland County um, District 1 um, school district and uh, attended college here locally and 
um, began my career um, first in law enforcement with the Columbia Police Department, um, where I spent over 14 years as a police officer, and then transitioned into counseling um, a little about eight years ago now. Um, so I'm currently working in private practice as a as a counselor, focusing on trauma and addictions and you know various other um, mental health issues. Um, I'm married, uh, soon to be 14 years, and we have four um, children together. And uh, I'm just excited about this program and looking to discuss you know some things that obviously are important to us and uh, you know allowing people to kind of voice and share their their concerns and and their comments. Definitely, definitely. I think both of you gentlemen, um, wow, it's it's a lot of years of experience here. I mean, um, Pastor McCallum, you you have a a vast number of years as being a shepherd, and I so and I know so, you know, with that you run across a lot of different people um, that need help. You know, um, that need the spiritual right. counseling component. You know as well as, you know, mental and emotional stability. Um, Correct. And so with the platform like this, and, and one thing, let me back up just for one second, because what I admire, one of the things about your ministry is that I was told that you actually went out and you, you guys have licensed um, professional counselors. You have a ministry that deals with that, and it's not people that are, actually in the church, you saw the need that you needed to get professional outside counseling to actually to help. And I, I think that's that's phenomenal. You want to speak about that a little? Uh, sure. Thank you. Um, certainly. Uh, I think it's vitally important um, that the church, uh, when I say the church, I'm not speaking of just a facility or a building. Many folks get hung up on, uh, you know, just, just a facility, but really the church is a person who, who love God and who see the need of hurting persons around where they're serving. And uh and that was one of the, my passions, uh, that when I came to Bethlehem right at twenty years ago, that, you know, sitting in a location, a community, and sometimes we get comfortable when I say church or a person because we think the church should be an environment where everything is just right, everything is perfect, everything is good and happy, happy and and the <laughs> church should be good. But no, I think God built this church, uh and to be in a position that sometimes sit in a community that doesn't always look like the church, but should uh, the church quite naturally begin to affect in a very powerful and uh, personal way uh, because the church is a makeup of all type of personalities. And so when the church starts emulating what God looked like, uh, looking like love to uh, humanity, uh, reach people where they're at um, and sit them where they're at. It's hard to teach someone about eating fish uh, uh, when they're hungry, you're trying to tell them about Christ. So first of all, meet them where they're at. And That's then right. gradually right. with tools in place to teach them then how to fish uh, for others. And so um, that's been one of my passions and my zeal, uh, where I use the term um, just a chief servant here. I think servant is a very broad uh, a broad word that is that definitely deals with a multiplicity of things. And so uh, my experience has been that we were putting ministries in place to not only just help people at their uh, uh, their social needs, but uh, their mental uh, needs or uh, any need that we can quite naturally try to fulfill, um, teach them how to survive and thrive. Uh, and so 
And we do a lot of things that relate to serving, you know, serving the community, feeding, mm-hmm. helping, assisting, uh, talking to those who are trying to find work, or those who find themselves in, you know, in some very t- yes, tough and difficult situations. And mm-hmm. when you come mm-hmm. to us, the church, church has to be uh, what I would call that beacon of light, that hope, um, not just preaching it, but literally living it out so people can really feel it. That's, that's correct. Uh, that's said, correct. Uh, it's hard to, right, it's hard to love something you have not seen. How can you say, how can you love me and you have not seen me, but I come around you daily and you don't even yes, recognize sir. me. Yes, yes, so yes, all sir. times we've got to be careful that we're not so blinded, personal ambition, that we really miss calling or serving humanity. And that's for everybody. All of us are supposed to be helping right. uh, one another. So that's what we're trying that's right. to do. Well, that's that's very good because as I always say, you know, the church is supposed to be the hospital, and so in order to be the hospital, that means you're going to have um, many different people coming in with many different needs. Um, I want to flip to that's over correct. to Taurus. Um, Taurus, I, I look at the fact of how many years that you've had in law enforcement before you decided to make that transition, you know, into the counseling field. But being in a position that you were, you know on the street, working as a cop, um, working in law enforcement, I know that there's a lot of things that you that you saw, um, you know, and, and just the need for the mental counseling because I, out here you have to run into, you know, just so many, so many different things. And if you could kind of just share with that with us um, a little bit or branch off however um, you would like, but I, I just want to touch base on that because I, I think it's really powerful, and I really want the listeners to understand the the background, your background, and just um, the the vast amount of knowledge that you would have in dealing with the community um, from a law enforcement perspective, and now dealing with counseling. I, I, I just I think that's just phenomenal. That's a, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so, unfortunately, I've seen a lot that hasn't been uh, pretty and it hasn't definitely been functional. Um, I mean, there's quite a few experiences that I can think of that um, that even come back to mind today. Um, you know, I can recall talking to um uh, prostitutes in the middle of the night, two and three o'clock in the morning, they're out walking the streets because they're strung out on drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just having a conversation with them like, hey, you know, why are you out here? You know, what are you doing with yourself? Why are you, why don't you value yourself? Why don't you love yourself? You know, things of those nature. Because I know that, you know, arresting them or taking them to jail is not going to be the solution right. to, to this problem. And, and if it, and if they did get arrested, you know, they'd be right back out again because they're they're struggling with something that you know obviously is overtaking them. But you know, dealing with even the youth, um, unfortunately, part of being in law enforcement is sometimes you have to remove children from homes that aren't mm-hmm. you know stable or safe, and it, it just it, it pains you that you know remove a child. Um, from their home and they don't understand why you're doing it and they don't see the dysfunction or they don't see the instability that they're in, but you see it and, you know, you have to do what you have to do. And it's, you know, being an advocate in a way. um, So really having that compassion for people, but realizing that as a police officer, as a law enforcement officer, you have 
limitations with the resources. Um, you have a great amount of discretion and, and power, but it only goes but so far. And I think one of the problems that um, that has existed for a while, and and maybe you know with this uh, justice, re, you know, reforming, they can really mm-hmm. look at this and say, you know, a lot of what we expect police officers or law enforcement to do really aren't their responsibilities. And I think that's why we get some of the results we get. You know, some of these social problems, some of these, you know, um, non um, these these non legal matters, we're 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 forcing cops to to deal with it, and then we're going to get what we what we normally get, and we're not happy with the results. So I think we need to really reconsider what the role of law enforcement and what the expectations of them are, and what the limitations are. Um, I think we're asking them to do more than what they're equipped and what they're trained to do in most cases. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, I mean, I, I think a lot of what you're saying is definitely valid, and it gives another perspective. And that's that's one of the other reasons why I'm so happy um, to have you on the show because you you're able to speak from two different dynamics that a lot of people are not able to. You know, um, you you had right. the time of being out here in the street, seeing things, but you also found it in your heart, the need for a change and where you could actually help. And so, um, Taurus, I, I think it would be very powerful um, to see how you could actually assist in trying to change some laws and some in some formats. Um, you'll be able to speak to, to, to things that a lot of us can and, um, you know, this this is what's needed. This is what this show is about. Um, we're about dealing with the whole person, dealing with all all of the small components, but making sure that we're unpacking what's going on, bringing solutions. We're not here. We all are already angry enough. We're angry. But now we're looking at right. how can we be the change that we want to see? Because I think all three of us can agree change is needed. Changes, it, it has to happen, but we have to have somewhere where we can have a discussion, the difficult discussions. Sometimes it's going to be raw, it's going to be difficult, it's hard, but as long as it's truth and it's done in love, we can begin to start putting some things together so that we'll be able to make the necessary changes. Um, because we can't address a community problem until we begin to start dealing with the individuals. And so that's what we're about here today. Um, And again, I'm excited. I thank God for the opportunity to have this platform. And so right now, uh, we're coming up on 15 minutes after the hour. Let's take a break right here. You're listening to Pressure Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little. When we come back, we're going to speak with Bianca Austin, aunt of Brianna Taylor. You, your family, and your friends are invited to Embrace Richland County Gospel Brunch Sunday, June 20th at 1 p.m. at the Wiley Kennedy Family Life Center located at 1034 Eastman Street in Columbia, South Carolina. You can also enjoy it virtually via live stream. It's a great way to celebrate Father's Day with the family. Enjoy soul-stirring gospel music and on-site a mouth-watering brunch. For your safety, we will be adhering to COVID-19 protocols. 
Hall. Get your tickets before May 30th, and they're only $15, $20 after that, or you can just simply buy a table. Tickets available only at Eventbrite. Sharing music selections will be international gospel star Luther Barnes and the Sunset Jubilaires. Saxophonist Dante Lewis and Jacqueline Kendrick Dance Ministry. This powerful event is sponsored by the Wiley Kennedy Foundation and the great folk at Richland County. You don't want to miss this fantastic celebration, so join us Sunday, June 20th at 1 p.m. Welcome back to Pressure Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little. I um, also want to share with you that if you want to call in, you can call in at 914 205 5361. Again, that's 914-205-5361. Well, right now, I want to welcome in Bianca Austin. Bianca, I thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and the reason why I named the show Divine Appointment with Bianca Austin is because it was definitely divine how we met. I was in Kentucky over the weekend um, to help with a, a friend of mine, and we were leaving the hotel, heading down the street, and looked over and saw that, you know, they had different um, signs up that had uh, Brianna's face on it, and I saw a group of people out there and um, ended up getting out the car, and as I'm getting out the car, walking up, you know, to try to see what, you know, what's going on, um, there was a little commotion. And and this is one of the things that we're talking about when we're talking about dealing with different emotions. Sometimes in these settings, um, you know, you have different platforms, you have different things out here, um, protests that you've already arranged and everything. And sometimes you do have some people that are in a very emotional place and their response isn't what you're looking for. And so Mm -hmm. that's how (laughs) Bianca and I ended up meeting, um, you know, when I saw what was going on, the commotion, I'm like, hey, whoa, you know, um, this definitely is not bringing any honor here. This is not what this was designed for. And from there, Bianca and I got to talking. So um, I didn't go to Kentucky for it. I had no idea that they had anything going on. And so this is why I say, man, it's, it's divine. It's, it's, it, it was just a, it's yeah. a timely appointment. So um, Bianca, once again, I just want to welcome you to Pressure Points Unpacked. Thank you for coming on. And um, I want to talk with you today a little about your 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 platform here. You call, um, you know, I want to give my condolences first and foremost for the untimely death of your niece, um, first and foremost. Um, Thank you. But, you know, out of this, you know, um, it has caused you to rise to becoming an activist. And so um, I know as I looked on and saw a lot of things, it seemed like you were the person that I would see that was speaking um, for the family. You were speaking, you know, reading your sister's statements for her. And that was really powerful. So um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Bianca. Well, thank you for having me, sweetheart, and it definitely was divine when we met, so um, that was just um, out of left field that we ran into each other, and I also want to send you my condolences for your son, um, because that's one of the things that we talk about is how 
um, there's so many families out here that um, that don't get to share this national platform and that's going through the same thing um, mm-hmm. as my family. So it, it was definitely, the energy was definitely felt. Um, um, and, yeah, and like I told you, I don't consider myself an activist, but a lot of people... <laughs> Federal. 
we mm-hmm. we was hoping to join the George Floyd's law. Um, his law is um, Enforcement, Trust, and Integrity Act law. And so hopefully we want to join on a federal level and somehow combine the no-knock warrant law with um, his law and get that passed on the federal law. So um, that's, that's awesome. And, and what, what you're saying right now is extremely important because in order for us to be the change that we want to see, you know, we all understand and we've heard it over and over and over again how, you know, laws, you know, the laws of the land wasn't made for us. I get all of that, but we do have the right to vote now. This is the reason yeah. why we are to hold the people that we elect accountable. Hold them accountable for what they say. You know, we have to take a responsibility in researching what this person is saying, you know, understanding what the role that we're voting people in. And, you know, we're all guilty at some point. At least I definitely can say for myself, I can't speak for Pastor McCallum or for Taurus, but I know that there was a time until I learned how to vote, you know what I'm saying, and learned that you need to research and understand the positions that you're voting people in, then I, I would get in there and I would just I would just vote for people. You know, without actually okay, well hey, they there. There's no need to change nothing now. Go ahead and, and, and pull the lever for them again. Absolutely the wrong thing to do. We have to understand yes. what these jobs entail because just like the office of the coroner, never in a million years would I had ever known what a coroner's inquest was. I always just thought that the coroner came in and he picked up the body and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Never knew that he could actually sit in the judge seat, that he could yeah. actually work with law enforcement and they come together with what I call kangaroo court because the experience, my experience with a coroner's inquest need to be the definition for kangaroo court. Um sure. We, we, we have to know these things so that we're putting the right people into place. And guess what? Once we vote these people in, if they don't do what is needed and what they promised and what they said that they were going to do, then it's time for us to circulate and get somebody else in. It's time out for not holding people accountable and even holding ourselves accountable. Um, Pastor McCallum, Taurus, want to speak to that any? Pastor McCallum? Pastor McCallum. Uh, yes. Um, uh, I think it's a very good observation. I certainly thank uh, Ms. Uh, Taylor for that very powerful uh, point that she, uh, she drove for us uh, uh, today. I certainly, I certainly understand your, your concern, uh, Ms. Little, as it relates to um, persons who, uh, who sit in seats uh, to make decisions that uh, really alter um, how we as, we as a people and our community um, thrive and to, to excel and do well, and many are sitting in the, some of those places. I think uh, they take it for granted, I guess, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, and they're not doing a very good job of being effective or communicating to what's happening uh, in a way that's keeping our community informed uh, once they get there. And, and I don't know because sometimes they may be there, I don't know, as a token, and they're afraid to push or challenge uh, wow. Those who uh, who have some kind of power, I'm not sure. It could be a combination mm-hmm. of many things. I'm not sure, but because uh, I'm not a politician, I, I connect with yes, a lot sir. of them. But 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I do have an opportunity to speak with them direct, I do kind of speak honest and frank with them, my views as relates to how it connects to uh, the African-American community. And yes, uh, I think I think one thing, you said something very important. We have to do, uh, if school system, education system not able to do it, I think we have to do a better job as a community, truly trying to better inform our young people in our community Absolutely. about about even race in America. I mean, really, what mm-hmm. is race in America? Uh, uh, and what's happening? There's a systematic thing that's happening. It just not just started happening. It's been happening. Uh, and what's happening, what you're seeing what's happening so much in our community is that there, there's, like, there's like many open wounds that is being exposed in, in African Americans showing to the community, to the world, that we're just tired of being sick and tired mm-hmm. of, of, being, of being mistreated and mishandled. And... Uh, and you know, like anything, you let something, you shut the door on something, uh, and you let it sit there and it keeps screaming and kicking and beating and banging. Eventually, enough keep beating, kicking and banging. Eventually, the door gonna get burst open. When it burst open, it's bursting open, not in a way uh, to say, "Let's talk calmly, let's reason." Now you forced us to act out in a way that uh, you, you create the atmosphere for it to be that way. And so that's, we, have to, we have to certainly we have to challenge those who do sit in seats of politics or political persons and not be afraid because actually they are there because we put them there mm-hmm. and uh, and we empower them and then we kind of forget to hold them accountable. That's right. Uh, that's right. So yes, uh, we got many challenges, many wounds. I consider them like wounds in African American community that has not been healed in many many mm-hmm. years. Really, beyond since 1968, uh, when uh, Dr. King and, and Robert F. Kennedy, uh, you know, uh, came and dealt with uh, the representation of, of, of African Americans, all those things took place. I really believe from 1968 up to now. Uh, and you look at it now, uh, the that's not too political. Everything from the right is, is becoming more and more sharply right, farther to the right and more harder towards the right. There is no place where we can, let's sit down, let's negotiate, let's reason. And the Bible talks about we can't agree on something that we can't, first of all, even come together and reason. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And our country is in a place that we can't, we can't reason. Yes, sir. Yeah, you, know, you, you have, have, no, a, have a valid no point. Mm-hmm. Right. There is no reasoning taking place in our society. And I'm, you know, I guess my, my background, I'm, when I went to college and school was with an interest in, um, history, world history, world religion, and I see a, a systemic and systematic impact of race in America. It started from the Civil War through the Jim Crow era laws mm-hmm. all the way through 1934, the Federal Housing Administration. Uh, the power is not only just in voting, but the power is also in uh, in uh, economic uh, 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 understanding how credit affects us. We, yes, sir. And this, we can we can go on all night talking about what's we going could. on in our community. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, I mean because because yes, well, we, not, uh, it's 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 about when you got when you got good credit and power and clout, you can do some things. Oh yes, sir. That's that's the thing. We're gonna pin that right there. We're gonna pin that. We're gonna pin that right there, Pastor McCallum. Okay, then. All right. Yeah. Oh, because because what you're saying, you're you're hitting on truth. Because when we start venturing on, all, I mean, when we begin to start unpacking everything that's going on in our community and how to begin to heal 
go go in a in a in a in a in a path of trying to bring healing. It, it, we have a vast amount of things that we are definitely going to need to unpack and, you know, to formulate a plan so that we can begin to move as a community so our voice is heard. Because, you know, everybody, when you're singing on the choir, you got different parts, but it comes together as a, as a, as a beautiful harmony. And so as right. a community, we got to get to a place where we can do that. And the way to do that, again, is to begin to unpack these things so that we can formulate that one voice, that beautiful harmony, many parts, but a beautiful harmony that we can begin to start seeing some change. So, Taurus, I want to I go to you about the um, – and then we're going to have to take a break. But I want to go to you um, about as what I was saying about – voting, um, you know, and, and how it's important and how we need to, um, we really need to learn how to vote. We need, we need to have that responsibility to where we hold people that we put in office accountable. Yes, uh, I think that is uh, very important, obviously, to exercise the right to vote. Um, but I think, unfortunately, we there is unfortunately is a hypocrisy to voting. Um, you know, we claim it and shout it as an important thing, but the way we treat the process of it says otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, um, most other countries um, create like a holiday for their citizens to vote, but we don't here. People kind of have to make sacrifices or they have to, you know, get permission to be be off of work to go vote, whereas other countries, they make that a priority because it's just as important. I think the other thing, though, um, is, you know, obviously we know that other countries have meddled or interfered in some shape, form, or fashion with our voting um, and our election process. However, the political response to that is to then implement laws against his own citizens to make it harder to be able to vote and to, to criminalize people supporting people that are trying to vote. I think that is, that is craziness if mm-hmm. you have a, a country that is attacking our, our, our democratic process, but yet we're making laws against our own people to make it harder. So it's like you're aiding and abetting these foreign um, entities to do exactly what they determined to do, and that's to interfere, to cause a, a result or outcome that they're, I guess, they're, that they're wanting. So I think, you know, there's a lot to this. And until we mm-hmm. really talk about the real issues and the uncomfortable conversations, you know, very little is going to change. And I think that's we have to understand that just because, you know, every every time, you know, we talk, we hear politicians talking like, okay, I hear you. But where's the substance? Where where is the follow through? Where is, you know, the change that's going to happen? And all we get is this rhetoric, and we get all this other, you know, uh, psychobabble with little results or little change. And I think if we're not careful, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of agendas. There's a lot of policies being pushed, and it's going to really have a major impact on us. And you know, we, we just cannot be silent, and we just cannot. Just go along with it. 
that's that's a fact. That's that's a fact. Um, we're gonna take a break right here. When we come back, um, Bianca, I want to talk a little more about as as we've we've spoken about um the emotional need and counseling and different things like that. Um, I want to get into that a little bit. So right now we're going to take a break again. You can call in 914-205-5361. This is Pressure Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little. Right person. 
um, to kind of deal with the tragedy that I'm experiencing. And, and, you know, like with this tragedy, it just brings out other tragedies that you're already just kind of dealing with. So, and then, um, and then it's like, so in my family, you know, people look out to me for, you know, a little bit of therapeutic for somebody to talk to, somebody to lean on, somebody who's level-headed, you know what I mean? So then you bear that weight of, you know, dealing with their emotions emotions as well. But, um, you know, for a long time throughout this year, you know, it, it's so hard because when we get together as a family, although we're together, it's just you can just see the pain everybody's going through because of the loss of Brianna. You can just feel her presence is just, um, it's just missing. Um, so it's a lot to deal with. Um, I do recommending um, people um, who who are dealing with these tragedies to seek help. And um, um, and, and I guess too for and if you don't run into the right one, just keep trying. Um, right. And, and and I guess too for you all too because of. Unfortunately, you know, when it's hit on that national platform like that, it opens you up and you expose it so much more. And so there's a constant, you know, um, pulling on you. What I want to do is um, yeah. I, I want Taurus to speak to that. I mean, because this, 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 is, his, this is one of his areas. Um, Taurus? Yes. Okay. So uh, I, I understand Ms. Austin's um, uh, concern and her truth about her experience. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of counselors aren't necessarily um, experienced with, you know, uh, law enforcement involved shootings. Um, I'm, you know, one of few that, you know, have transitioned from law enforcement into counseling. Um, so obviously that I, that provides me with a unique experience and background. Um but you know, counseling itself is a is a relationship, and you know I'm not the counselor for everybody, and sometimes you just have to figure that out by meeting, and then if it doesn't work, then you know um, I suggest you know someone else or um, to see what I can do to support them. But you know, I do uh, also agree that you know in the African American community we are. Um, reluctant to go to counseling. I think a lot of it has, unfortunately, um, is a part of uh, church position on it. You know, I can remember growing up, you know, uh, she would say, just take it to the Lord in prayer, you know, leave it on the mm-hmm. altar, you know, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's all and great. But, you know, when you have different wounds, or you have different injuries that impact you so you know, it takes a little bit more. Like sometimes you're not fully aware of how much you've been impacted by things. So mm-hmm. you need someone to help you navigate and work through those things. Um, I agree that there is a spiritual component, you know, to counseling. Um, but it is a necessary thing. Um, I recommend it to, to everyone, really, because sometimes we don't realize what we've been through until we start talking about it um, and mm-hmm. definitely how it's affected us. Mm-hmm. Um, Taurus, um, Bianca said something else too um, that stuck out to me when she made the comment that counseling wasn't designed for African Americans. 
Can you speak to that? Yeah, that uh, that got me to thinking. I'm still thinking about it, actually. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't want to, you know, just babble something just to have a response. Um, right. But I went, you know, when I went to, to graduate school for counseling, um, I went to Liberty University, which is a, a Christian school, um, mm-hmm. and I did that on purpose because I wanted to have that Christian um, uh, part of my experience. And, you know, counseling is a spiritual issue. You know, the Holy Spirit is a counselor. So, you know, it's like you, you cannot have counseling without it being spiritual, um, and I think if you believe and you have faith, you know, obviously in God, then, then yeah, it, it, it is a, a black or is a, it's an African-American issue because it's just, you, you just can't have it effectively without it in my, in my opinion. Um, but I get it. You know, I think that unfortunately over history, we've been so conditioned to not talk about the traumas of living in a majority Caucasian white America, and that has unfortunately blossomed into other things. Like, just don't talk about anything that's bothering you. Just, just suck it up and keep moving. But that's what's killing us. That's why we're self-medicating. That's why we're acting out with anger. You know, all these other dysfunctional and harmful reactions that we're having is because we're suffering in the silence of our injuries and our wounds, and it's just. You know, it's just furthering in the generations, and we just got to gotta change that. We got to say it's okay for counseling. You're not crazy if you go to counseling. Right. You know, right. We, we, need to, we need to be reassured that we're human and we're having human, you know, reactions to these experiences. Um, I don't care how spiritual you are, we're human first. And if right. something hits you hard enough, you're going to have a human reaction. So I don't know mm-hmm. any other way to deal with that <laughs> other than, you know, going to God, but also talking to somebody that's, you know, that can really help you, that's competent and and, and experienced to, to deal with those kind of things. That's a fact. Um, well, Pastor McCallum, well, do you have anything else you wanted to um, say, Taurus? Or you? Well, wow, I think I think Taurus certainly hit, hit some very powerful points, as well as um, Rhonda, who brought her points up as well. I, I would say – from a church perspective or from a faith perspective and being a pastor now oh, almost 30 years, pretty much 30 years, uh, that um, Torah's correct. I think one of the biggest things is, I think, from the, and that has to come from the pulpit, uh, that people have to hear from the, the pastor himself or herself, who, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, that they grapple with some of the same things they grapple with, they, their parishioners grapple with. I, I think sometimes we give... Sometimes we try to preach more faith than we actually really have. We have to be extremely careful with that. Um, and you have to speak truth to people. Uh, I think effective preaching when you really speak and, and you have to be honest and you have to tell them, when I see things on television, how they mishandling people of color, it hurts me, it makes me cry, it makes me get angry, it makes me get upset. They have to hear the truth. You don't want to get up there and make it sound like, Oh, we're gonna pray about it, and it's gonna be all right. Well, to be honest with you, I think sometimes it's, it is it is very refreshing uh, for people. Oh, when I say people, I'm talking about anyone in the community, when they come to the faith, a place of faith, to hear a faith leader admit that sometimes prayer just isn't enough. 
Wow. Wow. Just That's enough. Good. And what I mean by that, that that all times, at least in my experience, most times, even when you're dealing with a couple and they're having problems, most of the times it's going to be, and I think Tori making a test of this, most of the times it's a couple situation. The woman going to do most of the talking. The male going to very seldom talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and so in, in our culture, uh, black women are, are at the uh, the forefront of this particular task. Uh, and we have sensitive uh, to the needs of people and being honest with people that is, uh, we say, we have this little cliche in our community sometimes, you know, that crazy uncle I got to be upstairs. Well, that's that's not funny. That's not humorous. It's, it's very real in our community, mm-hmm. and we and we've been it's been stigmatized. Preachers take it and and they use the metaphor. Uh, you should never question God. I look at it. Well, if you don't ask God questions, how are you gonna get an answer? Correct. You you, you you got to ask Him questions. You got to talk to God and tell God what's going on, and trust Him now. Uh, and you have to be careful because you can't share everything with everybody. That's right. You, you got to be very careful that you got to find you got to seek persons that. As Torah said, it has your your interest in a way that that they really want to listen. You not sit in the seat of judging. Uh, and everything Christ did throughout the Bible, He always tried to meet people where they were at. If we talked to the farmer, He talked about the earth. He didn't try to get theological. He didn't try to get deep on people. Mm-hmm. He kept everything He did simple. Mm-hmm. And we have to be simple with people, honest with people, um, and uh, that's vitally, vitally important. When I had opportunity. Uh, when uh, candidate uh, Biden came to our church and worshiped with us, and I had a personal conversation in the back, and I gave some of my concerns to him as it relates to uh, that if he got to the White House, you cannot forget about people of color. You, you, you have to remember uh, there's a major gap, there's a major disparity in our communities. And I don't want to be up from the top talking point right now, but Mental health is extremely, extremely serious in the African-American church and community. And the church, sadly, we have failed out of many of our communities. We have not done a very good job of promoting it like we should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I developed this ministry here uh, with the mental health ministries, with uh, psychiatrists. We got psychologists, and we got persons that we connected with to help us. Now I have to come see me because I can't do everything. I can't wear every hat and be effective. Right. Know what people's strengths and weaknesses are and put people around you who have the strength to help you and encourage the people to come sit down and speak with these individuals. You know, man, that's important. That's very, very important uh, that it's okay. I've, I've had people sit. I've had one experience that changed me while I did this was I had uh, several young people that talking about suicide. Wow. These, these things are very real in our community. Yes, sir. And, yes, and, and 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 our young people are contemplating, not in just young people, even uh, uh, elderly people, mm-hmm. uh, people that, that are lonely. They are wrestling with their sexualities. There's a number of things that make a person feel the way they're feeling. And we can't sit and say, oh, you know, you know, the Bible said this, and you know, you're going to hell for this. We got we got to stop right. this stuff. You know, we do. And, and what you just said was very ill people. Mm-hmm. And what you said was very important, too, because I think a lot of times what we hear is that um, people, for some reason, uh, begin to think that, well, if you go to counseling, then you're not trusting God. You know, that right. is one of the most fuzzy things there is away from the truth, you know. Um, 
because mm-hmm. you can't tell a person that if they when they take their medication that they're not trusting God. Everything that you're doing, you're you're supposed to be doing it with faith. You know that it will That's help. Right. Correct. Um, and Correct. I just I, I really I, I really wonder what has caused the stigma in our community um, where we just feel like that reaching out is one of the last things that you would do. You know, um, I remember after Ajani was first um, murdered, and I remember that we had um, a law and justice conference um, at the church, and there was a lady that got up and spoke, and her son had been um, killed some years back. But when I tell you what I heard from her, it was it was a mixture of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. yes, she has a right to be angry. You know, we are. I'm, I'm angry. However, there was something deeper. I, I can't actually put it into words. There was something deeper that I heard, but I heard enough to cry out to God and to say, God. I don't want to find myself like that eight years down the road. Not that I'm judging her because I don't know her life story. I don't know what all she's been through. I don't know if she ever tried to reach out for any type of help. But I know that in order for me to be able to survive and to honor his name, to be able to still honor God, and to still be able to help other people, because the one thing that – I've heard over and over again throughout my years of growing up, out of your misery comes ministry. You know, mm-hmm. as we all hear that nothing happens that God doesn't allow, and no, we don't always understand it. No, it's not always fair. I don't believe that God always agrees with the way that things happen. Um, however, you still have to be able to move. You know, because when you get to a point to where it's at a standstill point, then you're like stagnant water. And as we all know what happens to stagnant water, it begins to smell. And so I I listened to her and I was like, God, I, I don't want that to be me. You know, now, am I saying that the way that I judged the process or the way that I went through it was the perfect way? I am not saying that by a long shot, but I do know that I needed help. And so for me, my spiritual counseling was different from the mental, you know, going into a different setting for that. Um, Because initially with the counseling part piece that I had, um, I went through um, a government institution. And so with that, you know, there were rules and regulations that they had to where, of course, they can't actually speak upon religion in there. They had to take it from a different way. Right. So, right. you know, because of that, I knew that there were other needs that, you know, that I had to get. Um, and so I was doing a twofold in the beginning. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the people that he surrounded me with um, that was not judged. I even had some people who said, hey, you, you really are going to need to get into counseling. And that's one of the things that I try to always share with people when tragedies, different things that happen. Hey, you need to get into counseling and you need to, if there's any other family members, you guys need to get into some counseling because it's definitely needed. Um, And I think that that's something that we're going to have to do more of encouraging um, in our community. Um, I'm going to have to pin it right here. We got five minutes left in this hour. 
Um, it's so many things to talk about. Um, I definitely want to thank you so much, Bianca, for um, coming on today. I appreciate you not counting it as robbery. Um, I thank you. We will have uh, definitely we will have Pastor McCallum as well as Taurus Sanders with us for the month of June. Uh, we're going to have some more phenomenal guests in um, for this month. Please stay tuned. Um, listen in. Please know that you can call in at any given time with your questions. Um, we will try our best to do what we can to answer you. Um, and again, this is Pressure Points Unpacked. I'm your host, Tyra Little. Um, we thank you and looking forward to seeing you all on next Tuesday. Thank you. It's already-